All right, let's do this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho. How are we doing tonight? That was, that was good. A nice swell to it. It was very natural. I like that. That's genuine enthusiasm. So welcome. We're very happy to have you guys here. Are you ready to have a good time? All right, I think we can lock that in. So with that, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming this evening's guest moderator, Hoda Kotb from The Today Show, and tonight's guest author, Shania Twain. Hello, everybody. Isn't this so exciting to be with Shania? Okay, just before we start, everyone has their favorite Shania song, and I have mine. Hold on. I have mine. I just want to just... Here, Lubis. I have been playing this song over... Which one is it? Can you give me a little more audio on this? That don't impress, impress me much. much. Okay. That don't impress me much. That's my song. That is my song. You guys, what a thrill it is to be here with Shania. Uh, we had her on the Today Show a couple of days ago. Our viewers fell madly and deeply and powerfully in love. We loved you before and we love you more. What made you decide to put all of these stories into a book? <sighs> well, what uh, compelled me to document my life story yeah. uh, was a moment of anxiety. Right feeling the urgency to hurry up and get all the truth down and the whole full story um, in case, because I was feeling so anxious, in case um, tomorrow never came. And I wanted my son to have my story from me mm. uh, in case that were to happen, as it did happen for me with my mother dying prematurely and now she's not around to... Um, fill in the blanks for me and that's difficult sometimes so that was one reason and then the other reason um which is another layer of the whole purpose behind the book and that is making it into an actual book mm -hmm. and releasing it to the public uh that really has a, a more complicated purpose mm -hmm. Uh, for one, to force me out of my comfort zone and do something that I've never done before, which is share my private life with the public. I've, I've been extremely private, not only in my uh, public life, but also in my personal life. There are a, a lot of people in my family and a lot of my friends that have known me in my whole life that will learn things for the first time about me mm -hmm. in the autobiography. I've just been very, very closed and almost... almost too extreme and that has suppressed my self-expression a lot and really manifested in in literally squashing my voice and my expression so I figured it's time to do something about that and and go almost to the other end of the spectrum and the other extreme so I can find a balance somewhere when I get on the other side of it looking at you now um, and just we see you as this wonderful singer and this very successful person. When you guys read in the beginning of the book, you will read about her childhood, which I found um, it was it was heartbreaking and shocking. And to know you lived through it and knew that was all you knew. And if you read a little bit, there are a couple of lines in here that you say there were plenty of times when the Twain family didn't have enough to eat lacked warm clothes in the frigid northern Ontario winters and lived in cramped rented apartments or in a house with no heat. 
the perpetual undertow of financial instability took its toll in other ways. You described the poverty, um, and it just sounded wrenching. How did you manage to live through that, that period? It's, it's challenging growing up in a home where, um, where you're not provided for properly, where the tension builds um, because of that as, as a result of economic struggle. Um, <clears throat> you learn to hide it well. How did you, That's how did you hide you it? You, you don't invite friends. For example, if, uh, if you're um, not going to be able to, if you, if you know you're not going to have groceries for a week or two, that is not a good period to invite your friends over after school, for example, you know. Um, and it's, as, it's, as, it's as a lot of common sense. And you really learn how to dodge things and stay under that radar. A lot of abused kids and neglected kids, ne neglected women and abused women, they really learn how to stay under that radar. And you learn this, these coping skills and survival skills um, because you don't want anybody to know. First of all, you're ashamed. Uh, you're, you're protective of your family. You don't want them to get into trouble. And <clears throat> you get really good at this. I got really good at it and carried those skills on right up through to the time I wrote this book. Um, long after my childhood was over, long after hmm. my parents were gone and into my career years. And I just have to quit that. And I'm forcing myself through this process and so the book is helping a great deal, and I hope I reach out to other people who do the same. The great thing about this book, too, you guys, is when she talks about a part, a time in her life that she struggled, she gives sort of little lessons for other people who are going through it. Lots of takeaways, which I liked. When you describe the abuse uh, between your parents, it was very poignant, and I think when you said a lot of people are going to be reading for the first time things they didn't know about you, this one really struck me. Um, Jerry, your stepdad, had your mom on the bathroom floor by the toilet, and uh, grabbing her hair, he slammed her head against the side of the basin, knocking her out cold. I could see Jerry repeatedly plunge my mother's head into the toilet bowl and put it out again. I remembered wondering, why is he trying to drown her when she's already dead? My mother was limp and lifeless. I cried for her and felt cu completely humiliated and helpless. Having to endure what we're reading here just sounds heartbreaking. What kind of tools did you use? It's sheer trauma, and I struggled for a long time about, this is why I've struggled about releasing the book to the public. Uh, and certainly, we'll make sure that my son reads it at an appropriate age. Sure. But what I felt was, I know that I am not the only kid that has seen their mother half killed by their father. I know I'm not the only child that's gone through these things. I know my mother is not the only woman that has gone through these things. And yet, I felt so alone at the time. And I know that there are a lot of women out there and children out there and families in general struggling that do feel alone. Uh, nobody knows about what's going on behind closed doors. And I just feel compelled to go into detail and yeah. say, not only do I understand you, but this is why I understand you. I know. And I hope that this not only helps them feel that uh, suffering does not discriminate, first of all, between wealth Mm -hmm. fame and, and the ordinary person, um, but it is also something that is happening to a lot more people than we realize, and so it's also about awareness as well. 
And I think it's interesting because you even talk a little bit more about your mom. And you said when she was going out, she'd ask you to apply foundation to her face to cover the blotchy patches. And you'd style her hair with a curling iron and final net hairspray, which everyone used then. Did you, um, did you guys talk about the abuse? Did your, did your mom ever, ever discuss it with you? Or was it sort of the unspoken thing in the room? We never spoke about it. When, when an episode happened, it was over, it was done, and, t and, and the next day you all get up and you hop off to school like nothing mm. ever did happen. Partly that is because you really do just want to forget about it and put it behind you and hope that it never happens again, although you know that it will, or you live with the instability mm. and the concern that it, that it will, the unpredictability of that. Um, and there's that shame just within, you know, I never even spoke to my siblings about it through all of those years. I don't really know what, what they think mm. to a large degree. Um, some of them are very sensitive about it, which I, I completely understand. Uh, and my sister Carrie, thankfully, I've, she's one person that I've been able to talk to about it now just during the course of writing the book. So we hadn't talked about it wow. in prior years at all. Wow. You're, both your parents... Um, I guess ironically died together in a car in a car accident. Um, on that day, Shania, what did you lose that day? I lost I felt like the car you know, my foundation had been ripped out from under me. And even though we'd had such a turbulent life and it was unstable you know, off and on throughout the years, you still need your parents mm -hmm. for as long as you can possibly have them. And that, that's just my personal feeling, at least I, I did. And I was just starting to get to know my mother as just on a one-to-one -one basis. And I really felt ripped off, to be honest. That's how I felt. How old were you when she died? I was 22. You were 22. So at that age, it was, I guess, your responsibility to take care of your siblings. You became sort of the mom of the house. How does a 22-year-old take care? You, you're still trying to find yourself and figure out how you can make a living. How are you taking care of other kids? I'd always play, because my mother had gone through in and out of depression for so many years um, during my childhood, uh, I, I assumed that role often. It wasn't a new role mm. to me in, in my life and in the lives of my siblings. But now I have to also provide in a very concrete and full-time way. So I had to just, uh, I had to completely gear my life to taking care of the household um, completely and on my own for the first time. So I, I just moved back in with the kids. We all lived together and I did my best. I sacrificed what I, whatever it is, whatever it was I had to sacrifice and we managed. Now you, you started singing at what age? Eight years, I started singing very, very young as far as just singing goes. Yeah. Um, my earliest memories of singing or using my voice is at three years old. I started singing uh, for audiences from the age of eight years old and then was um, technically professional by the time I was 11, wow. having a license like, you know, uh, paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> so you were singing, that's how you were making your living when you were supporting the, the rest of your siblings? Exactly. I was able to get a, a, 
a singing job that was, I don't, I don't even know how to say it, I mean, that wasn't mobile. Normally, if you're singing, if you're a club singer or a live performer, you've got to move around to get, to, you've got to go to the work. And it was a very rare opportunity to be able to have a full-time singing job in one place where I could take care of the kids and run the house. We should describe what, what this place was like because it was not easy. She, she makes everything seem easier than it was. I'm reading the book and it says... That's what my <laughs> sister says all the time. You do. It says, I found a newly built bungalow just outside of town about 10 minutes up a dirt road in the middle of the bush. Uh, by the fall, I figured we'd find something better. We'd have to, as the bungalow had no running water and therefore no functioning toilets either. That meant hiking down to the river to haul five-gallon jugs of water back to the house. The brush out back had to suffice as the loo and the poo, and that's what she wrote on page 195. <laughs> but but that, that kind of going home to that after a hard day's work and trying to be supportive to your siblings, um, describe how you managed to juggle that. Most people are trying to figure out how to juggle things in life. Oh, you know, it, it, it wasn't so shocking, and we were very capable. I know it sounds, I mean, it was, I'm not saying that it was easy, but when you already come from a childhood of uh, being resourceful, having to be resourceful, um, uh, making things work, finding a way all the time, it, it wasn't as challenging as it sounds. Um, or, or maybe to the average person. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we were used to hauling water and um, using the bush for the, you know, for our bathroom. And we didn't have a shower either. So we had to, sh you know, jump in the river and that was our shower. And wow. we, we were used to living in a rustic environment. It wasn't a shock, uh, but it certainly wasn't ideal. Mm -hmm. um, you ended up getting married, and I think uh, there are a lot of women who are going to relate to this back half of the book, which starts on page 350, which is where I started. But there's a, I had to go there you because that. if you've been there, <laughs> you want to read this portion All of the right. book. Okay. Um, everyone's been through some, some difficult times uh, in their marriages, and you were married for 12 years? 14 years. 14 yeah. years, okay. You're married for 14 years. And a lot of us have been through uh, a time where our spouse, um, you know, allegedly has an affair. It's, that's, that's hard enough when, when you find that out. When you find out that the person he's actually having the affair with is uh, a good friend of yours, it's sort of a double blow. Um, describe how you found out about that. Uh, it's interesting. It's always so much easier to write for me than it is yeah. to speak. You know, and that is because in writing, I've always expressed myself um, more easily in writing because I can, I can, mm -hmm. I can reflect, I can rewrite it, I can scratch it out, start again. And when you're speaking, it's just got to flow. And when you're, I understand. you know, faced with a difficult question, it's not that it's a difficult, any more difficult than any of the other subjects, but it's just more current. So, you know, maybe a little bit closer to the bone. Um, how I found out, Fred explained to me that over the phone gave me a call and said, I think there's something you need to know about Marianne and your husband. And if you already know, then I'll stop right here and, and that's it. And you tell me if you want to know more. And he really respected my wishes there. You know, t t my opportunity to say, stop. You know what, I don't want to know, or I'll find out for myself. Um, 
I said, okay, listen, you know, why don't you come over then and we'll talk about it. Well, he, actually, he said, I really think I need to explain to you in person and not over the phone. Um, and so he came over and he, he told me that, that he had discovered them having an affair a few weeks prior and was ha that whole time stressing, because it was during Easter, uh, that just after Easter that he told me. So through Easter, we were all having dinner together, the kids were playing together, we were all hanging out like everything was normal. And Fred just couldn't stand it. He just couldn't stand the fact mm -hmm. that I was the only one that didn't know. And, it, it, and it, I so appreciated that he turned he the lights you. on for me. <laughs> well, I think what, what Shania says repeatedly <laughs> in her book is, it's difficult to talk about these personal things. And this is, this is one of the lines in here. It is all extremely personal stuff, and I've questioned myself often about whether or not to include this in the book, as it is against my nature to open up like this. But since having a traitor in your midst is such a difficult thing to recognize, especially when he or she is so good at it, it makes you wonder if that person has somehow been professionally trained. It's helpful and almost a responsibility for someone with experience to warn others. And then this is interesting too. She says, Shania says, I confided to her that Matt had grown distant up to a point where I felt our marriage was in trouble. Uh, Maria and I always listened attentively and offered sensible, objective advice. After all, although she was my friend, she'd known my husband longer than she'd known me. It was highly unusual for me to talk to any, anybody about my personal life, especially my marriage. So you can understand why it was so painful because there was another, another trust broken. But what I love about you, you're like the resilient woman of all time. You and Marie's husband, Fred, who we love, because he was on the Today Show with us as well, have found a connection together. Um, describe finding love again, because a lot of women wish they could and hope they will. Well, you have to be open to it, um, first of all. Somebody uh, said, asked me a couple of days ago, um, did you fall in love with Fred because he saved you? And I paused for a second and I had to sort that out in my mind uh, because it didn't, that didn't sound right. It wasn't right. I said, you know, I fell in love with Fred when I realized, how did I say it? Because I said it so well the other day. See, I get it wrong. But I, I mean, there's a million reasons why I fell in love with Fred. And it was, it was a process and I resisted it. I resisted love. I resisted being in the company of a man. I resisted trust. Um, but I had to decide to save myself first. And saving myself meant allowing Fred to love me in the first place and allowing myself to love again. I actually saved myself. And, you know, nobody else can save you. You have to be open to be saved in the first place, which is a big part of my problem all through my life. Mm. I, I don't need help. I'm fine. I'll, I'll manage. And that's just childhood training. I'm, you know, trying to stand on my own and pretending like everything's okay and trying not to be discovered, you see, your weaknesses. So it's that vulnerability that you're trying to hide all the time that you learn very well when you grow up in a home like mine. Uh -huh. Do you feel differently after you've written the book? Because I know you're going to see people actually carrying this around in their bag, you know, and knowing that they're going to sort of know you very intimately. Um, do you feel better? It's scary for me. It was uh, a relief to write the book. It was, it was therapeutic to get it all down. Uh, but then it came to 
making the decision to share it, and that's the scary part. I know that uh, it will um, affect a lot of people when they read it. I hope it affects them positively. I hope it inspires them. Uh, so it's scary. It's, it's, I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing this part of it. And that's part of the whole healing. I'm saying, okay, I got to go that far to find a healthy level of privacy and, um, and, and self-expression. By the way, which makes you love her all the more. You know that it, when it's so difficult for someone to, to give information, you value it more. That's what I'm noticing as I'm reading this. Every nugget I want, I, I, I value more because I know how difficult it was for it to come out of you. You know, there are certain people who just blurt out their life. And I even know from interviewing you, it's not easy. Because sometimes we have to pull a little bit with Shania because she, she doesn't volunteer everything. And it, it's much, much, much more valuable that way. I mean, everybody, the big, the big question I'm getting is why, why now? Why are you doing this? Because they know me as being such a private person. And, you know, I explain why, you know, more, you know, more thoroughly in the book. But uh, it's a phase and not a new me, for example, yeah. if, I, if I can say it like that. It's, I'm, I'm always going to remain a very private person. I like to be secluded. I like to be isolated. I'm very creative that way. But in a positive way, it's not a negative thing for me. I, I enjoy that time. Um, and it helps me cope with the, the more public times. I need that balance or I'll go crazy. Uh, and and I, I might, might have actually gone crazy a couple <laughs> of times when I think about it. But uh, so... I just, I need, to, I just need to find that balance, and this is all part of the process. All right, we are, you guys, isn't she terrific? You guys, we have questions. We want, we want questions from the audience from Miss Shania Twain. Who's got one? All right, who's got the mics? Hi, Shania. Hi. First, I just want to say this is. A, I grew up on your music, and this is amazing to me that we're even talking to you. But I would like to know what is the biggest difference? Would you say between writing a song and then writing your book, or what's the biggest similarity? Okay, that's a very good question. Uh, it's all creative writing. Writing songs is a lot harder. <laughs> is it? Uh, as far as just the writing aspect goes, because you've got to condense a whole story and theme under four minutes, and it's really hard to do. Um, isn't it Van Gogh that said to his sister that I don't have time to write a short letter? And that is very true. true. It takes a lot more thought to get uh -huh. your point across, make sense, and then apply music to it and still have it make sense at the end of it. So uh, writing a book, a lot more time to tell your story and express yourself in, in that sense uh, a, a bit easier. And uh, yeah, that's what I would say the differences are between the two. Okay. Thanks. Another question? We have a question from your far yeah. left, okay. second row. Hi, Shanai. Oh my gosh, this is such an honor. I'm really thankful that you took my question. Uh, my name is Rewa. There's nothing that would have stopped me from coming here today. It's my nephew's birthday. Max Ramsunder is his name. And uh, I would never have missed his birthday except to come see you. Uh, my question is, I was kind of concerned about your, uh, you, ha you said you have dysphonia. So are you going for therapy, speech therapy and all that? And what kind of, uh, you know, things are they doing for you? Are, are they working towards a goal of getting you back to singing or? Uh, dysphonia, first of all, that's a good question. Dysphonia is a condition of uh, 
where the muscles constrict the voice box, to make it simple. It's not a question of the vocal cords. The vocal cords are apparently in excellent condition, so I'm very happy about that. Um, so I should very well you know, be able to sing again someday um, in whatever way I want to. The process, though, can be quite long, and it is going to be a, a combination. It's, 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 it's a combination of physiotherapy, uh, speech therapy, uh, vocal exercises, and it's also a psychological exercise because then I have to build my confidence back again to actually believe that I can do it even once I'm physically uh, better. So it's a rehabilitation. Who believes she can do it? <laughs> Who believes she can do it? Oh, indeed. Hello. All right, other questions? Right here in the back okay. right corner, right here. Hi, thanks for being here. Um, I actually bought your book for my mom for Mother's Day. So I love to see that it was dedicated to your son. Um, what is the one piece of advice that you, or life motto or theme that you want him to get from this? What I would like any son or any child to get from this is the, the power of the written word and the beauty of the written word. I have to say that it is much, it's less spontaneous than speaking. It's, more, it's a more thoughtful process and I so appreciate that. I appreciate old-fashioned letter writing. I'm actually loving m email because <laughs> it's, it's more old-fashioned than we realize. We sit and we think, we contemplate, and we, 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 we change the words. We, we, we're learning how to spell again. <laughs> you know, I'm a terrible speller, so it's great for me. But I love writing, and it's a, a, a wonderful way to express yourself. And if you find the, you know, a lot of people say, well, a lot of the expression gets lost when you're writing through mails. There is an art to writing, and if you find it, and you find the way to express yourself through the written word, and really use the language as a magical tool, uh, I think you can even say more. And you, you know, I, I think it's a very special way of expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Let's get another one. Third row, far left, far left. Okay. We see you. all boys, by the way. Hello, one girl, can but I all boys. No. Okay. Hi, my Shania. I'm Justin. Hi. Um, just a shout out, cause Canada. Thank you very much, yeah. Canada. I'm a, I'm a prairie boy myself, so it's really nice to have a Canadian here. Um, I just wanted to ask you how life, I mean, you touched on this a little bit, how life has changed being in the public eye and showing the public eye your private life, but then also having a husband who doesn't mind being there along with you. Because, I mean, before it was kind of like, who is Mutt? We don't know who Mutt is. We've only seen one picture of him in one album. But now you have Fred who is just like, more than happy to be there with you, and I think that's changed it for you. So how do you feel now that you're... It's a very personal choice for everyone. And for me personally, I really appreciate Fred being there alongside me. I don't want to be alone anymore. I really enjoy the company of a very few select people. Um, so it's, uh, it adds to the quality of my daily life. And I, I said to someone uh, today, you know, Part of that loneliness of being in the public life but having no one, uh, really, is um, why so many artists have giant entourages. Because yeah. they take their life with them. We know we have to take our, our entertainment with us to you. And so then what do we do at the end of the day? Who do we wake up to in the morning? I remember so, and I write about it in the book so vividly, looking at everybody else. Uh, through a window, my bus window or a hotel room window, t 
totally alone and, and being so jealous of that normalcy. I just wanted to jump in there mm-hmm. and be nobody for a second. Just, you know, and appreciate that. So you got to take them with you. You got to have them there with you every day. And so your, your, your personal life, remain, you may remain connected. And that's what I have now. So I'm Excellent. really enjoying it. Great. Who's got another question? Right yeah, here go in ahead. the center. Right here. Hi, Shania. My name's Amy. And um, in 1999, I was very sick. Um, I had a neurological disorder and I had a drop out of college and um, I was paralyzed. I had to relearn to walk. And I listened to your CD literally oh. every single day. And um, I went to your concert. I was there like three hours early to get there. I was in the front row. <laughs> and literally listening to you was the first time I walked again. It was very inspirational. Oh, that's so, so great. I love oh, that. Thank you. That's so great. Thank you. <laughs> So I'm wondering when you're, you know, feeling down or like you need inspiration, is there an artist that you turn to to listen to? Because I literally turn to you in every time that I need, you know, inspiration. You know what song I've been listening to a lot more lately and I I have it on my iPod and it's beautiful. Christina Aguilera. I just really love that song and it, it, it. It pumps me up. I, I, I listen to it when I'm jogging. It's not, it's not a pump-up song, but it's a mental pump-up song. Um, and, you know, through the, the, the filming of, this, of, the, of the Why Not series, I wrote a song during that process that cheered me up every day. It was my, um, it was my personal message to myself. It's called Today Is Your Day. And what is it called? Today Is Your Today Day. Today Is Your Day. And it was just my own pump-up song. I really do believe that music... Um, is 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 like a drug in that way it, it nothing works like music it really does lift you right up i mean I've, i hear people saying you know i cannot do my you know my my kickboxing yeah. session without the right music right. it's so true what there's was a real the connection song? what was the song i'd rather die standing than live on my knees die trying than live on yes amazing Amazing. Yeah, good for you. Congratulations. That's so beautiful. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That was lovely. Another question. Far left corner. Okay. Hi. Hi, Shania. I'm a fan. Got Thank you. you. <laughs> uh, do you have any regrets on any of the bad stuff that happened? Uh, no regrets. I, I, I do say in the book, I, I don't want to live it again. I'm not saying that, woohoo, let's, do, let's try that again. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty realistic about it. it, it there were a lot of hard times. A lot of us go through hard times. But like I say at the back of the book, you know, life's challenges are what teaches us what we're made of. And so, no, I can't say I have any regrets. It, I really would not be who I am without all of those hardships. Um, I don't, it's not like I welcome them or anything like that, but I'm still grateful for them. Excellent. Another one? Who's got? Right here in the middle, right here. Okay. Okay. Hi, Shania. I'm Marilyn. Oh, sorry. I'm nervous. Silly question. When made you choose the island of Puerto Rico to get married? Oh. Oh. That's where I'm from. So I was just curious. I have so much family there. Lovely. Well, uh, Fred and I got really busy and looked um, hard for just the right spot and we'd searched you know a bunch of photographs on the internet we wanted to find just the right lighting because we wanted to get married on the beach um and the house was perfect it fit everybody in there my whole family is a very small wedding you know 30 some people at the wedding and that was it so we could all be together the whole week and the the, the food is amazing in, in every aspect it was just the perfect place it was beautiful 
Excellent. Another one? Second row okay. to your left. Okay. Hi. Hi. I'm not going to stand up because Hi. I don't think I'd be able to. Uh, for, I have an even sillier question. Okay. <laughs> and there's no silly Who questions. Who makes your, they look like rock earrings in your That's rock what necklace. I was going to ask. Because the they're earrings. gorgeous and so in. <laughs> Aren't they cute? Who and makes your, those? And your necklace, too. The the, uh, this the one? purple one. Oh, the purple one. Oh, that's two different people. Okay, well, you have to share them. Okay, start with the earrings. Okay, <laughs> my sister Carrie knows. Carrie, who makes the earrings? Sean Warren. Sean Warren. Sean Warren makes the earrings, and he makes... This is also Sean Warren as well. Isabel. Isabel Morant makes the long tassel. Excellent. Excellent question. Sean. Same... Sean yeah, Sean Warren. Warren. Yeah. Other questions? We have time for two more questions. Two more. Are you going to take one? Yes. Okay. Excellent. Right over here. Stand up. Hi, Shania. Hi. <laughs> I'm like shaking right now. Um, <laughs> I have a solo in my upcoming um, spring concert. I have two questions, actually. Um, I have a solo in my upcoming spring concert, and I was wondering if you have any pointers for me. <laughs> Well, I can tell you what not to do. My, mo my mother used to make my mother used to make me hot toddies. That's whiskey and um, and hot water with honey. <laughs> when I was your age, that's how she calmed my nerves. Um, <laughs> so I can tell you what not to do. Anyway, I I, I just had to say that because you know being a child performer is tough. Yeah. Um. S some people are naturally more comfortable being in the spotlight than others, and the true test is when you're a child going through it. Uh, you know, I would, warming up and being prepared is everything. It's like an exam. If you study and you practice, you're going to be confident when you go in there to do it. Um, going in cold turkey is a big mistake. So just warm up, um, prepare, know what you're doing, and then you're going to do great. Excellent. Be prepared. That's what I say. Good luck. I'm sure I can. She can figure it out. Or who's got to make that happen? We have one time for one more. Last question is going to be towards the center. Okay. Bonjour, ça va bien? Ah, oui, merci. Um, I'm actually uh, living in New York, but I'm uh, from Belgium, so I think we're neighbor. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I'm a lyricist as well. So I just, my question is that um, when you wrote that book, because we know, uh, you know, as a lyricist and I, you as a songwriter, um, words are very therapeutic. Yes. Uh, so I wonder, um, when you wrote that book, was it a moment that you think about, you know, going out of your comfort zone and going through this right now, you know, being interviewed, you know, so many times. And, you know, did you think about that when you wrote the book? Uh, as I said, when I, when I was writing the book, I was, I was, I was writing, a, I was documenting my life. And I wasn't writing a book in that sense. Uh, it was only later that I decided to, to, to make it into an, an actual book. And I was, I was concerned about uh, the outcome. What questions people would ask me, what people would think, what my family would think, what my friends would think. Uh, and those, those are all, ju that's just fear right there. And I, I decided finally in the end that my fear was definitely not as strong as my conviction behind the purpose of sharing it with the public. And that is to reach out to other people who can relate and who um, are going to benefit from knowing that they're not alone. So there was a lot of fear there and a lot of 
self-doubt for a while. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir. This is one of those terrific books that you gotta, you're going to tell your friends about. It has been such a pleasure to be sitting here with Shania Twain. She is stronger than any woman I know. And I'm just, I feel so lucky. You guys, a big round of applause for Shania Twain. Thank you. A huge thank you to Shania and Hoda for being here. Uh, one more time, from this moment on is the name of the book. Now, everybody, hang on one second and stay seated because uh, you're in an Apple store, right? And we're very happy that you guys are all here, and we want to do something very special. So what's going to happen from the second row back? We want you guys to stay seated. Everybody tonight, we want you to have a copy of the book. And so we're going to give you guys an iTunes card to go out and buy a copy of the iBook online. You can do it with this card. It's good for the book. It's a $15 iTunes card that you guys are each getting. Dway and uh, Pablo over here are coming out to make sure you all get your cards. Okay, so we should have plenty. I see a lot of people here. Uh, so just remain seated and we will make sure you guys get your cards. Remain seated and we'll make sure you guys get your cards. Thank you so much for coming, okay? And a reminder, this discussion and many more will be available on the iTunes store. Meet the author, completely free. You can go ahead and pick that up right there on the iTunes store. You do a quick search for it, you'll be able to download this discussion very, very soon. Uh, of course, there's events happening all the time here at the Apple store, guys. This is not the only one we've ever done. We have so many of them. Uh, and at apple.com forward slash Soho, you can find out all about the upcoming events, when they're going to be happening, who's going to be here. You'll see all of that. And also, you guys can download for free. After you get your book for free, because we have the card, and you download awesome music and all that stuff, you can download the app as well. This will let you guys know what's happening here and other stores across North America. Remember, if you stay seated, you'll be sure to get your card. Thank you so much for coming, guys. We hope you had a wonderful time, and we hope to see you next time at the next event. Thank you again, and have a wonderful Wonderful weekend. Take care now.